How about traditions? What are your, what are your New Year's traditions? If you have them, you're watching online, go ahead and put them in the chat. I'd love to hear that. I know, <laughs> I, I was thinking, should I tell this? Because it makes it sound so... Uh, but anyway, when I was a kid, sometimes we'd go out at midnight and bang, bang pots and pans. Anybody else do that? Is it just our family? Okay, a couple people. <laughs> it's just us? Okay, well, all right. I know there's other traditions. I know, I know more, uh, probably... Uh, Anyway, I know the ball drop thing is a big deal. And I, I know there's other states and, and cities that do drops. You know, the, I know there's an orange in Orlando that drops sometimes and all that. And I know the big thing is the midnight kiss deal, right? Right? Okay, I thought it was a thing. Uh, you know, people toast. I mean, there's old ang- old Syne. You know, the poem, it comes from that poem, the 18th century uh, poet, uh, Robert Burns. And it means long ago, it's nostalgic. You know, when people sing that song. I know that. And fireworks. I know my family, sometimes we'd eat uh, black-eyed peas. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. And cabbage and greens. Some people do that. Some, some cultures, they bake a cake, and there's, they'll hide like a special coin or something. I don't know for you. Uh, I remember, does anybody remember the Y2K New Year's? That was kind of cool. Sitting around watching to see what was going to turn off first, and then nothing, nothing happened. It was just like another New Year's, so that was kind of cool. I don't know about you, but I, I, for me, I think about resolutions a lot during this time of year. And I know some people are really against that because their attitude is that, oh, that just sets you up for disappointment and failure and nobody ever follows through. And I know a couple of people already broke theirs today. I know there's a couple of people who came in late and they said, oh, I already messed up for the year. And then, uh, you know, I know we have the donuts out there, which is a temptation for some of you. And we already messed up your reunion. I get that. But, but... To me, I look at it like this. If you do look at the percentages, more people do change things in their life if they do make plans. And it goes back to that old saying, if you fail to plan, you actually plan to fail. I think it's important to plan. But I've heard this a lot this year. People have been worried about 2022. And if you look online or if you see kind of memes floating around, people are still kind of cautious about this. And I think it comes down to Somewhat, if you're a pessimist or an optimist anyway, if you think everything's going to work out and be better anyway, you kind of tend to always think that. And then if you tend to be more pessimistic, then, then you're going to always worry and the new year isn't this great, wonderful thing coming because you're worried about the past and past couple years. I mean, if you think about the last two new years, what we kind of went through. Well, when it was 2020, nobody expected what was going to happen in March and then April and then May. And then we're still living through that. No one could have possibly expected that. And then last year, we were hoping it would be all gone, but it hasn't been all gone. Have you looked at the date yet where it says, like if you put it out there, 1, 2, 20, 22, it kind of weird. But have you thought about this? Have you thought if you say it, it sounds kind of scary because it's 2022. Have you seen that? Like also? <laughs> Or again, don't, don't think of it like that. I don't believe that. Why, why all the worry? What do you think that is? I mean, I know that we've had unprecedented things. I, heard, I saw one meme online. It was funny. They said, what I'd like to not hear is unprecedented. I want to have everything this year be precedented. I don't know if that's even a word. But I do know this. A lot of people just want a regular year. We don't want anything crazy happening. No weird things. No, no, no weird things happening at all. And I don't know about you also, but if you do take the pessimist view, it's not too hard to look at the world and feel sometimes like the bad guys are always winning. I don't know if you've thought about this, but I see that a lot in people, and it it bothers me, but I see it. 
But it's easy to understand, and, and people start to wonder, where is God when all these things are going wrong? And as we look over the last couple years and think about, will 2022 be different than that? And you got to wonder. I mean, you see different things happening in our, in our society, but also around the world where governments you know, oppress people and use taxes to commit evil. And you know, we've seen riots. We've seen the murder rates increasing. We've seen disease. We've seen new scams taking advantage of people and our elderly, some of the people who we should be protecting. You hear about more and more young people getting caught up in human trafficking and addictions are running rampant with you know, fentanyl. And you hear about all the opiates and gambling and alcohol and pornography and just driving people to despair. It can be a dark world if you look at it that way. And you think about things that even happened this last year. I think about what's happened in Afghanistan. And one of the things we hear about now is that they don't have the infrastructure to feed their people. And their winters are very harsh. And there's, a, there's just, it's a looming disaster again there. Think about the pandemic and the toll it's had on education alone, where kids are already so far behind. And some of, some of our most needy areas of the country and inner cities are struggling so much. And kids are having a hard time catching up. And teachers are burdened. You think about loved ones who died alone in nursing homes. and I could go on, right, with dark things like that because that happened the last couple of years. We don't want to see that in 2022. And there's been so much fear about, about death and about you know, even coming in contact with each other. I, even now, there's times where I'll meet somebody. I met, I met somebody today, and I started to reach out my hand, and I thought, what if they're not comfortable shaking hands? And I just did that. But I, that's me. I'm going to do that. And I, I apologize, but... We start to wonder. And you might wonder, where is God in the middle of all of that? Where is he? Why, why is he letting all that happen? And maybe for you at times like that, God can seem distant or he can seem afar off. Or you start to wonder, does he know what I'm walking through? What's going on in our world? And maybe for you, it's issues that are closer to home. Maybe it's marriage issues or financial issues. Or, or maybe it's your kids not walking right or something going on with them. Or job situation or school or friends or health or it can be depression and you just can't catch a break and one thing after another and it just seems like you're just on this snowball roll of just bad things this may help be comforting to you i hope it is because even people as prominent in scripture as king david struggled with these kind of things and as you look through the Psalms, one of the things I want to encourage you about is as you read through the Psalms, you're going to see that there are many Psalms that are very exultant. So they just praise and thank God for everything. But then there's others as you read them, you wonder, like, is it okay to say that? It's in the Bible. I mean, he's literally complaining to God. These, in fact, there's, there's a genre of Psalms we call lament Psalms. Where literally just what I just did basically is lay out a lament of the last two years and talk about all of these problems. And then what he will do is bring some resolution to that. I want to look at one of those today. So it starts in Psalm chapter 10. Oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Let them be caught in the evil they plan for others, for they brag about their evil desires. They praise the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked are too proud to see God. They seem to think that God is dead. I don't know if that sounds like maybe a feeling that you've had, and maybe you didn't realize it was okay to express that to God. David did. Maybe you've struggled at work and a coworker has been promoted ahead of you and you know they didn't deserve it and you were more deserving and that starts to eat at you and drive you crazy and you just think, God, where are you in this? There's no justice. 
Maybe it's someone at school who's cheating off you, and you know it. You know it. They're not doing the work, and yet they're getting a better grade. Or maybe they have favor with the teacher in some way. Maybe you just feel like it's just, it's just you, you look at maybe Facebook or Instagram, and you see someone else's perfect life and perfect body and perfect everything. It's just not fair. God, where are you? You wonder why other people seem to succeed when they aren't doing the work, and yet you're following all the rules. And have you ever, have you ever gotten cut off on the freeway? and wanted the guy to get pulled over? We can be honest, right? You want to see that justice done right now. And then it doesn't happen. And they zip on down the road. And you think, God, why, why couldn't the cop be there when it just seems sometimes like life's unfair and the things aren't lining up correctly? And it just seems like you're living for God and you're following all the rules and it's not working out like it should because you're doing everything right, but... Not everything is lining up. You wonder if God really knows what's going on. And if he did, why didn't he do something about it? I mean, why am I sick and that person isn't? Or why is this a struggle and this person seems to have no problems? Maybe you feel like you pray and the prayers bounce off the ceilings and come right back to you and you feel like just alone. Of course, you know evil exists and you know that people are going to do things that are wrong. You know that. I mean, you know what human nature is. Anybody who's been around a toddler knows. Most of them, their first word is no, and the second word is mine. And you know that very few of them share naturally. That's why you have to tell them to share. And most of them don't say thank you until you teach them to do that. What's sad is they're whole, not a whole lot different than us. It's just we're bigger and taller and basically just as selfish and do the same things. Can you trust God? Can you trust him? I don't know about you, but a lot of times I feel like this. I trust him. It's, it's people that I seem to get hurt by. I'm not worried about him. I know he will, he will come through. But then people are people. And you wonder, God, these are the people. And this is what David is saying right here is, God, why do the wicked get away with this? Why do they keep doing these things? And there is no justice. He's writing literally about this. It just seems like God should do more. So he goes on here in verse 5. Yet they succeed in everything they do. They do not see your punishment awaiting them. They sneer at their enemies. They think nothing bad will happen to us. We will be free of trouble forever. Their mouths are full of cursing and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are on the tips of their tongues. They lurk and ambush in the villages, waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless victims like lions crouched and hiding. They wait to pounce on the helpless. They're like hunters. They capture the helpless and drag them away in nets. Their helpless victims are crushed. They fall beneath the strength of the wicked. The wicked think, God isn't watching us. He has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. Man, I read that and think, it seems like that could be today. It could be in our world today. And I don't know if you noticed this, but he talked about the evil being proud and that they take advantage of the weak and they don't even respect God or his laws. Now, we look at this psalm, it's, it's verse 10, or Psalm 10 right here. It's not attributed to David, but we're sure it was David's because it follows right in line and completes Psalm 9, which is attributed to David. And if you think about David's life and you think about the time he lived, he was, he was basically at war most of his life with the Philistines. So it's likely he was probably writing about them or other people that he had encountered like that. And it's easy for us to compare that to what we go through on a daily basis. Because even today, it seems like people parade their sin. They don't take it serious. They take advantage of people and act like nothing is ever going to happen. 
It seems like they put it all out there on social media or in school or in, in public and even actual parades. I mean, they literally parade their sin in front of God and nothing seems to happen. I mean, social media platforms, like, they just, they cost our eyes sometimes with images we didn't even ask for and they're there. People bragging about, about their sin in public, it just, it's crazy. And then you see the evil taking advantage of the weak and it can be disheartening because I don't know about you, but like, like for me, I feel like I want to do something, but I feel powerless sometimes. seems like I can't fix all the rights that are there, and I, I want things to happen, but a lot of the things that are happening are outside of our control, and it seems to be promoted by what we see in the media or Hollywood or on the news. I mean, you can't even watch a Super Bowl halftime show without one eye closed. It's just crazy. And then as a Christian, we can be judged by the world as hateful and judgmental because We want to follow God's laws and want other people to do it too. David continues to cry out, and what he does is he cries out for God to do something. In verse 12, he says, Arise, O Lord, punish the wicked, O God. Don't don't ignore the helpless. Why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think, God will never call us to account, but you see the trouble and grief they cause. You take note of it in punishment. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans, break the arms of the wicked, evil people, go after them until the last one is destroyed. What he does there is what we should be doing. He prays for justice. He prays for God to do something, to right the wrongs in society, to make these things different. I guarantee you, nothing would have ever happened with slavery had Christians not stood up, prayed against it, asked God to end it, and then worked to end it. None of that would have ever changed. Equality that we see in our world today, between genders, between classes, none of that would have happened had it not been for Christians that saw that evil in the world, prayed for God to end it, then they ended up being the ones to make sure it ended. That's what happens. That's, that's what God wants us to do, and the psalmist gives us that. It's, it's funny because he asks God to help, but it's almost as if he's being disrespectful. He tells God, get up, as if God was asleep. Arise, wake up. Like, God, aren't you going to do something about this? What I see in there, some people might look at that as disrespectful. I don't see that. What I see is somebody who's passionate about the evil they see in the world, and they want God to do something, so they're calling on him to do it. I think you can get into a dangerous place as Christians where maybe you've seen it go on for so long that you start to think it's just how it is. It's just the way the world. And you give up and you get complacent. And maybe you think that God isn't concerned about those things. He is. He's not only concerned about those things, but he's concerned about the issues that you are dealing with in your life as well. He's concerned about all those things. It may, not, it may look like he's unaware, but he is aware so the psalmist, he asks, he asks for God to, to renounce, to, to take care of the wicked. He says to do something about this injustice. And then he says that God does care for even orphans and that they can trust in him. Something to notice that I noticed is that when I'm reading this, I hear David writing and saying things that I've felt but almost been afraid to say out loud. God's okay with you asking him what's going on. He's okay with that. He's a real person and a real God who relates to you as a real person. And when you struggle with these things, he wants to hear you talk about it. He wants your passion there, and he wants your passion in action. He wants your passion in love and devotion, and he wants you to know that he cares about each and every one of those things. I don't know about you, but I, I, take, I read that and I take comfort in the fact that I'm not alone in this. Not only that, I, I think there's times where we don't realize that God is always working. For us, sometimes all we see is the immediate, and we look at a situation and we wonder, God, where are you right now? 
And we don't even realize how complex the world is and how many things God is working at one time. It's as if we just, we're just operating on this one individual thing when so many things are happening. Think about if you could find a new car in a car lot today, a lot of times you look at that and you think, eh, they just showed up there. Well, it didn't. There's so many things that went on into the manufacture of that, going all the way back to even when the miners mined the ore that went into the metal that goes into that car and that had to be refined and, and worked. And then you've got other people who were engineers and designed it and refineries that had something to do with it and people who made the paint and the electronics and the factories and then the whole car dealer apparatus. All those things go into what we see on the showroom floor. Yet you don't think about that. So we look at the world situation and we look at your own problems and you think, God, why aren't you doing something? And my point to you today is he is. You don't always see it. You don't always know it. But there's a lot going on there. The fact is that he is always working. Now, for us as humans, you know, we're limited in what we can think about at one time, but God is not. He's got all of these things on his mind. Every single one of you, every single one of the complex problems that you are working with, he knows every one of them and he is working on it all the time. That's why Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He is always working to accomplish his purposes. You may not see it, and it, you may feel frustrated, and you may wonder, God, why do you seem so distant? And you may feel like you need to say, God, wake up and take care of my issue here. But what you need to understand is he is working on it. He is working on it. Not only that, you should be praying for those who are doing the evil. I want to make sure we have the right attitude about this. The fact is, every single one of them are created in God's image, dearly loved by him, just like he loves you. We should be praying for them, and it's only by the grace of God that we are here and they are not. And the fact is, every one of those is a soul that Jesus died for. We've all fallen short of God's glorious plan. Every single one of us are, are in need of, of healing and salvation. And thank God he doesn't give us what we deserve because the fact is none of us deserve to have his grace and his justice. Neither do they, but neither do we. And the fact is he loves them. That's the entire reason Jesus came. Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, and he says, this is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul is so humble. He says, I am the worst of all of them, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will re realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I love that. I love it because Paul is honest about his own condition, and yet he's praying and recognizing the fact that Jesus came in the world to save others. That's why he came. God is always always, always working. And in this psalm, David acknowledges that. He says here, the Lord is king forever and ever. The godless nations will vanish from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you hear their cries and you comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed so mere people can no longer terrify them. Man, I read that and I'm just in awe. God is the king of everything. And I love that line. That line right there just speaks to me. You know the hopes of the hopeless. Have you ever been hopeless? Has there ever been a time where you thought, God, I, I, I don't know what to do, where you're out of hope? Did you realize that God knew your hopes in that moment? No matter how deep that was or how dark or how it looked impossible or pointless or hopeless, that in the middle of that, God was there. And he knew your hopes. And it says right there, 
that he is the one that is going to bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed. He's going to hear their cries and comfort them. I don't know. I, I read that and I think, thank you, Jesus. Because I'll be honest, I don't know the answers to all these problems, but he does. And I trust, like you, that there, we serve a God that knows that he, he knows all the details. He knows what the fix is. He knows how to make it right. He knows how to go in and make those adjustments that I don't understand. Now, there's times where I feel like I could tell him what to do. And if he would just listen, I could fix the world. Uh, and maybe like you, maybe you've stood around with some friends and you've kind of lined out every problem and every solution. But the fact is, none of us have the wisdom that God has. He knows the beginning to the end. He knows the sides. He knows what causes every single thing. And in that, he is the best judge of all of that. None of us could be a judge like that. He knows all the details. He has the perspective that none of us could ever possibly have. He sees the effects and the cause before the effect. He sees the outcomes, but he also sees what went into planning and making that outcome happen. He knows everything. He knows how to turn it around for good. That's what he does. And he does that because he's a loving, caring God who loves every single one of those people involved in every part of it. That's who he is. Sometimes we get to see it. But either way, we're called to pray for those things to change. Here's what we're called to do. We know that the world is difficult. And I think that this psalm tells us you can call out to God and tell him, God, I'm frustrated by this and this and this. And this isn't right. And this should change. And this, how God, how do you let this happen? This should never happen. But then what he calls us to do is pray for him to intervene. And then I, I don't think it stops there. What we need to do also is we need to be part of the solution. As you're praying, who should you pray for? We need to pray for those who've hurt and offended you. You need to pray for them. Pray that God would work in their lives and change that whole situation. You need to pray for our government as we did just a few minutes ago. Pray for every part of it, the president, the Congress, the judiciary, all the way down to our local governments. Pray for your school boards. Pray for your teachers. Pray for the media, the editors, the news editors, the ones who write the news itself, the reporters, the influencers you see on TV and on social media, those who seem to be influencing people all over the place. Pray for them. God saves those people. Pray for the lady next door who stole your paper and you're still mad at her. Pray for them. Pray for that girl who cheated off you on the test. Pray for that aunt who did that thing and called you that name. And Pray for them. God loves them. He cares about them. He doesn't leave that alone. But then we need to be part of that. We need to be the ones, you know, working in our local election offices and running for office. You need to make that change and be that person who makes those changes. We need to do those things. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for just a minute. I don't know um, everybody here, everybody watching online. I don't know your situation. I don't know what it is that you've come here today with or maybe what questions you've had or maybe what problems that you've encountered that you think God is not aware of or maybe not working in. Maybe, maybe there's been some things that maybe it was partly your fault and you realize, God, I'm sorry I made part of this happen. Maybe you've sat there and you felt so helpless and even hopeless. And today, as we've been talking, you realize you are not without hope. That the God of creation, the God of heaven and earth, the God who created you and knows everything about your situation, that he knows where you are and he will give hope to the hopeless. Maybe you've been sitting here today or maybe you're watching online and maybe you haven't given your life to him at all maybe at one time you walked with him but you're not walking with him now and you realize that this world is broken 
and it needs a Savior, that your life is broken and you need a Savior. And if that's you here today, I want to make sure that we pray with you. If that is you, you can respond online. You can respond here in the room. If that is you, you feel like your life is broken and you need a Savior, I just want you to raise your hand and we would pray with you. Anybody at all. This next question, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to respond to God himself. But maybe you're here and you've, you felt hopeless and you've wondered, God, where are you? And you've struggled with that and your, your heart is broken and you're wanting someone to pray with you. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you and I want to encourage you that there is a God in heaven who loves you, knows you, created you, knows the answers from the beginning to end and will meet that need that, that you are feeling this morning. If that is you, you don't have to raise your hand. What you need to do is just tell him that as I pray. Tell him, God, that is me. And I need you in and change my life. And I'm going to open these altars in a minute as we close the service. And if you want prayer, I'll be here to pray with you. There'll be some of the rest of us here to pray with you as well. If you want personal prayer for those things. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for each and every one of us who felt hopeless at times. Where there have been things in the world where we look around and we say, God, it is not right. It should not be this way. In our own personal lives where we look inside and we say, God, it's not fair. Where's your justice? What are you doing? Why aren't you taking this? Why aren't you taking care of this? God, I pray in this moment in this room here today that your presence would be so real in people's lives, that you would reassure them and that you would convince them that you are the God that brings hope to the hopeless that you bring, you bring resolution to issues and problems, that you bring healing, that you bring salvation, that you change circumstances. And I ask God in the name of Jesus that you would do that today, right now. For those in this room, those watching online, that God, that you would intervene in each and every one of those situations. We praise, praise you and we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand up with me? As we close today, I want to tell you about a couple things. <clears throat> One is we have started a whole brand new uh, reading plan on YouVersion. If you haven't used YouVersion, I recommend it. I love it as a Bible app. And as a church, we're reading through the Bible this year. And uh, you can find, there'll be on our, I'll put it in our notes on Facebook and on YouTube both where you can find that link. Or you can go into your YouVersion app. And if you go into the events, you'll see it there. The link is in there for today as well. I want to also uh, commend you to do this. Uh, we're going to be praying. I want us, us to pray as a church for the next three weeks and fast. Um, I believe fasting is a, is a spiritual discipline that we should all engage in from time to time. But as we start this year, there may be things that you are just feeling, God, I want to see you do. I want you to put those before him in prayer and fasting. Uh, we pray here every Wednesday night at six o'clock from six to about, about 6.45. And so you're welcome to come join us here or pray on your own. And as far as fasting, you can fast a meal or the whole day, whatever works for you. I think that's something that you need to do between you and God, but I wanna see us do that as a church for the next three weeks. God bless you. It's great to see you. If anybody wants prayer for anything, I'll be down here to pray. God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy the weather out there.